Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21, as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to repeat something I gave you very quickly when I gave you the initial overview of the book of Revelation, but this will keep you out of a lot of false teaching, far away from it. It's a very simple concept. It's this. The entire book of Revelation is a letter to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Put it another way, the entire book of Revelation is a letter to the church. Why do I know that? From the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. The servants, and John identifies himself as one of the servants. It's a a synonym for a Christian. This is the revelation, the book of revelations, to the servants of God. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. That's Revelation 1-4, and he's talking about chapters 1 through 22, okay? Verse 11, first chapter again. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Now, just in case you hear somebody and say, no, Revelation 1 through 3 is only to the churches, particularly chapters two and three, which are the seven letters, and then we get into the bulk of the book. Nothing for Christians until chapter 19. Well, then how come the end of the book, the final chapter, 22, verse 16, concludes the entire book by saying, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. Now, why do I emphasize this so much? The dispensationalists, who are those who are the rapture at any moment, make a very rigid distinction, for instance, between the church age and the kingdom age. They think these are two different things, and they will say, well, chapters 2 and 3 refer to the church age, but all the rest of Revelation from chapter 4, verse 1 until chapter 19 is a description of what will happen to the other guys while the true church has been raptured into heaven. In other words, the bulk of the whole middle section of the book of Revelation is not a message to the church. Okay, let me just, just for a moment just back off and see how bizarre this is. Let's imagine I'm writing a 10-page letter to a friend named Fred. And I start with saying, Fred, pay no attention to pages three through nine of this letter. They are not intended for you. Everything else is. Sincerely, Steve. I mean, you'd think I'd lost my mind. What's the deal? I write something to you and say this doesn't apply to you? No, each of the seven letters are even for all the churches. If you look at Revelation chapter 2, the message to Ephesus, the letter to Ephesus, it says in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. So God is designing a particular message for each of the seven churches, but these letters are to be shared with the church because all seven letters are for the church, just like the entire book of Revelation is a message to the church. 
Now, both Protestants and Catholics like to make up different schemes on how the order of the seven letters in chapter 2 and chapter 3 is a type of esoteric outline of church history. My view on this is that they're all stretches. Yeah, I've listened to Protestants say, you know, oh, this good church, it gets commended by Jesus in chapters 2 and 3. That's when the Protestant Reformation begins, and the raptured church, this is the church here, Thyatira, one of the other ones. Oh, this bad church here, that's the Roman Catholic. That's what Protestants do. Catholics flip it. You know, it's just inserting your ideas into an historical situation. I think it's best to simply look at the seven historical churches in the first century, and you're going to see they have strengths and weaknesses. And those strengths and weaknesses are like a kaleidoscope for the church of every century. In other words, you study the first century, and then you apply it to today. And don't worry, there's going to be some stunning applications for the 21st century, but we're not going to try to inject today into something that was happening back then, okay? Now, there's also a lot of, uh, this is part of the church history schemes that the seven letters are supposed to chronologically follow church history, depending if you're a Protestant or a Catholic or whatever. So they say, well, why the order? Well, if it's not this scheme that both Protestants and Catholics come up with, what, what's the reason for the order? I think I've mentioned this. I think it's actually profound. It's the mail route for the Roman Empire in Asia Minor. And here we have one of the most extraordinary messages coming from heaven to earth. And then it's delivered as a result of God's providence with a language that can be understood by all, a universal language, thanks to Alexander the Great, even before the Roman Empire, thanks to the safety of travel on good roads, thank you, Roman Empire, and thanks to reliable mail delivery, thanks again, Roman Empire. All of these things were used by God to get one of the most extraordinary messages from heaven into the hands of God's people. Just a little application for this today. I dare say support your Catholic radio station and support your internet Catholic podcast because they're probably the most cost-effective providential means available in the 21st century. God used the ordinary, which he had been preparing for a few centuries before these letters were sent out to the church so they could be reliably delivered. You know, a lot of countries, you can't put a letter in the mail and expect it to get to where it's intended without being ripped open. There's money in it. They'll be taken out. We couldn't send back in the old days cassettes to foreign countries because they'd be taken out and used and reduplicated. But this is, this is thanks to very common providence, and we should be aware of these today. Okay, we're going to just start today with the first letter to the church at Ephesus. It's the first church addressed, and if you landed by ship with mail, this is, this is where it would start with, okay? It's the first address. It's a very important church. St. Paul founded the church and spent a long period of time there, three years. And then this church was followed up by St. Timothy as a pastor, and then we learn later uh, both St. John 
and the Blessed Virgin Mary settled there right outside of town. How extraordinary is that? And yet, this church is going to have strengths and weaknesses. And you know, today we have maybe in the Catholic press our strengths, but are they balanced with weaknesses? Or are certain Catholic periodicals just doing the weaknesses of the church today and forgetting the strengths? And this is where the prophetic word really needs a balance, and we need to follow this in our application for today. The church in Ephesus was the mother church of the entire region. It was a leading city in the Roman providence of Asia. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. It was also the center of the cult of the goddess Artemis. And around AD 90, hear me, around AD 90, Ephesus became the provincial center of emperor worship. What did I tell you are the twin themes in Revelation? Sovereignty and worship. The king is divine. That's granted. But is it Caesar or Jesus? And depending on who it is, they should be worshipped. And emperor worship started about A.D. 90. It's A.D. 90 is also one of the two best dates for the timing of the book of Revelation when it was written. So, this is pretty important stuff. Chapter 2 and verse 1, the first of the letters says, The words of him, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. This isn't just a casual correspondence. This is a prophetic message. This is a technical message. And the one who is sovereign over the church, God himself, this is like an x-ray of their spiritual condition. And Jesus declares at the beginning of each letter, he says to the church, I know. I know all about you. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. You know, as Christians, very often we're phonies with God. We think like, well, okay, we go to church, we act real nice, and then we forget about him. I mean, God knows exactly what we're doing, what we're thinking, who we are. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of fake news even about the church. There's pluses and minuses. And we should have the health and the strength to welcome the prophetic word, because believe me, all this is going to be found out someday. It's a lot better to find it out now than then. Okay, and here we go. Revelation chapter 2. This is the problem. He goes, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and now you cannot bear evil men but have tested those who call themselves apostles but are not and have found them to be false. Problem number one in the book of Revelation. Problem number one in the early church were false religious teachers. They're far more dangerous than secular religious teachers. It's wolves in sheep's clothing are the danger to the church. And Ephesus couldn't stand these people. It says uh, you cannot bear evil men. Uh, tolerance of evil teaching religious teachers is not a virtue, not a virtue. God was pleased with them because they tested them to see if they were true or not. 
St. Paul in Acts chapter 20 says his goodbye to the church in Ephesus, the same church that's being addressed here. And he says to the overseers, take care for the church of God, because I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, the wolves aren't dressed like wolves. The wolves don't come in like, I'm from the church of Satan and I want to deceive you, Catholic Church. No, they come with a pectoral cross and say, adultery is okay. Homosexual acts should be accepted by the church. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so, Acts chapter 20, Paul warned of the wolves. Revelation 2, they were there. 17 years after the book of Revelation was written, St. Ignatius writes to this church, I have heard some who have come to you with false doctrine, who have not allowed, and you have not allowed them to sow among you, but you closed your ears so that you might not receive those things which were sown by them. You want an application to the letter of Ephesus, the letter of Jesus to the Catholic Church in Ephesus, you're going to have to learn yourself and you're going to have to teach your children to close their ears to some Catholic false teachers. How do you test? The scriptures, as understood by the church through all ages, the catechism of the Catholic Church without any modernist updating in the next few years, the way it's written now, and the church fathers and the old encyclicals. Just go what's been believed everywhere, always and by all, not believing something by a renegade German cardinal with a disturbed moral life. Close your ears, listen to the true teachers, and God will commend you and your children for it. I'm Steve Wood, and you've been listening to episode 62 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.